theyeshiva.net. So let's finish the last lines here of the Indian Kisnuwalaya, right? So Vizehu Shaknisosoy, four line uh, five lines from the end of the mind. Vizehu Shaknisosoy Slaya Hoyashaloy Midaitoy Kibhina Shalomaila Meadas Shaloy Kiniskalaya. So that's why when Yaakov marries Leah, it's always Shaloy Midaitoy unconsciously. Leah represents something that is beyond his das. So by definition, his relationship with Leah must come from a place that is beyond his das. In simple words, as we discussed, his das would never accept it, embrace it, invite it, initiate it. Where Rachel, on the contrary, is a, completely a product of his das, because Rachel works with his das. Rachel fits into his das. Rachel is, can be absorbed in his das. Leah cannot be absorbed in his das, and therefore his relationship with Leah, his entry into Leah, Leah's entry into him, is from a place that is beyond his das. Amnam. In order to be, make this work, he says, Kol shenasa. This is all before he marries her. Once he marries her, now he has to process it in Das. <laughs> now he's married to her. He's connected to her. She's his wife. Afterwards, and a husband has to give. A husband can't only... Uh, to be a husband, I give. A Baal is a mashpia, somebody who gives, who inspires, who invigorates. A Baal is a mashpia. To be a husband is somebody who gives his spouse, who fills a spouse. But you're talking about Leah being so beyond, so much deeper, so much loftier. So he says, after he marries her, of course, this is what he gets from her, but this is what she gets from him. Leah is Yaakov's wife, so she becomes a mekabal, she receives from him. This means... That what Leah has to do here is something very profound. So the Pchina of Leah, which is Machshava, must descend. Leah, so to speak, must descend from being only a Levush for Seichel, which is higher than the Midas, only a garment, a cloak a vehicle, a medium, for the deep, deep awareness that's even deeper than Yaakov, and communicates and comes down to become a levush also for the midos, something that can facilitate, something that can facilitate and enhance and be makabal from Yaakov, who is the midos, so that she should be, she should be able to become a makabal from the midos. So therefore, in Leia itself, there's two stages. There's Leia, who she is, innately, in her full core. And then for Leia, to be married to Yaakov Avinu as a wife. So Leia actually had to uh, descend, had to come down in a state where she can actually be a spouse, a spouse for Yaakov. So there's the element of Kisnua Leia. Because it's Lamaila Mehadas. But Leah goes through a tremendous process here that she should be able to become a Mechabal of Yaakov, to be able to facilitate Yaakov, to be able to help Yaakov, so to speak, actualize himself, 
to be able to allow Yaakov to give to her, to become a mashpia to her, that she should be able to be a mekabal of Yaakov. This Leia has to go through a tremendous yirida in herself. It's like a shtikl mesiris nefesh for Leia, that she should be able to be suitable as a wife. Why is she not suitable? Because she's so much, she's so deep, she's so powerful, she's so uh, incredibly infinite. It sounds to me that it should be the other way around. The Leia should be a mashpia tiyakov. I had to return, switch. Leia is a mashpia tiyakov, but as a wife, she also is a makabal from Yaakov. She's also a makabal from Yaakov. How is a wife a makabal from a husband? Any good husbands here? What is she receiving from Yaakov? Huh? Protection. Yeah, but that's a whole a sense of mythos. I mean, the uh, uh, children, confidence, warmth. Talking about Leia, she's infinite. Companionship. A husband, a husband, a husband, living up to the whole role of a husband, provides a space of safety for a wife, something to to uh, to contain her and something to fill her. You know, there's, there's a presence, a presence in her life that provides confidence, provides companionship, provides strength, provides inspiration, provides clarity. Not less aware, not at all less aware. Not less aware, maybe more aware that she could descend and allow herself to be a wife of Yaakov Avinu. So the machshava of Leah becomes a levush, not only for Seichel, as it was initially, and therefore transcends Yaakov, it's Lamaila min Adas, but one that actually he can give to, he can elevate, he can enhance. There could be something that she's macabre from him, there's something that he could fill, avoid a void that actually he can contribute, that he can fill, he can he can do something with. But it can only be a levush. Her core can't change. I mean, Yaakov is, is essence is Midos. Midos. essence is Dibor. Right. Leia's, Leia's right. beginning to get this as a levush. In other words, it's either a levush for Seichel or a levush for Midas, right? So therefore it could be a Makabah from the Midas. She had six children? Leia. That's how he started. Right. So that's, that's the Midos, the six. No? Yeah, yeah. That's why it's six. He started off that it's Hamidah Shisha Shvat. It's opposite from Midas to Seichel? Yeah, of course. The Chiddush is that she also comes into the Yerid. It doesn't mean she... Uh, that she also comes into the Yerid. Which means, of course, that there's an element of Leia that remains always mysterious. It remains like a secret to Yaakov. It remains something that is... Uh, that remains Lamay Laminadas. Which is not going to be anymore. Right. Right. Or that itself is a process. I mean, you see, as she has children, she keeps on working it through, right? The first son, she says, Ra Hashem Ba'anyi. The second son is, Shama Hashem Kisnu Anoichi. Suddenly, the third son is, Hapami Love Ishi Elai. Now he's already my partner. Yehuda, it's already known, Hapam Oida, I'm just thankful, I'm grateful. You see, with each child, there's a process. Of course, in the physical manifestation of the story, at some point, 
sadly, Rachel passes away. <coughs> only Leah only lay is there. And uh, in terms of the Kvura, Yaakov is buried with Leah, not with Rachel. And he'll speak about this to Yosef, you know, Vani Bevoyimi Padan Mesalai Rachel, and he had to bury her spontaneously. It happened suddenly during childbirth, and she's buried in Beis Lechem. Of course, the cave that was purchased for the Ovis and the Moises couples is Yaakov and Leah, which seems a little strange, because Rachel was Yaakov's choice, not Leah. Leah came in because of deception. So this means that on a, on a spiritual level, it's really Rachel, so to speak, merges into Leah. Rachel passes away, which psychologically would mean that the image of his wife, just as Rachel, um, melts away and becomes absorbed in Leah. And ultimately Yaakov is buried and turned, Ad right, It's Yaakov together, together with Leah, not Yaakov together with Rachel. So that means that the relationship between Yaakov and Rachel has a depth, a certain depth, which is an element of Leah that was always meant for him. That was always meant for him. But that which was always meant for me, I will never process consciously. Because <laughs> if I process it consciously, it's probably not really meant for me. It's what I think is meant for me, what I would like to be meant for me. What's really meant for me, you know, is processed unconsciously. Some of you may know that there's a whole uh, field of marital therapy that developed only in recently, which is probably two lines of this mimer. And that has to do with the theory. It's a very profound theory that when people uh, should probably allow uh, this young man to talk about it, maybe a little more experience, but I'll just articulate it by Kitzer. What do they call it? Amago therapy? What is it called? Amago? Huh? There's an idea, basically, the idea is as follows simple and brief terms and that is that often when you know, couples are having a challenge with each other and sometimes it's a very deep challenge they see no way out of it it's like, it's like hopeless I'm not talking about a disagreement you know where we're going for Pesach or, uh, or which shul we daven or, uh, or even you know, which school we send our kids or if we're going to a Milchka restaurant or a Fleischka restaurant those are good fights you know if that's your issue you're pretty good off but, uh, or the color of the wallpaper. I'm talking about the more deeper things where there's like this annoyance. I just can't deal with this person. This way or that way or both. You know, I, I, just it's a headache. To come home is a headache. It's just you, people love staying in the office, you know, till two in the morning. They almost love work because it's, it's, it's great, you know. You sit with your computer and your computer is always your best friend because you don't have to marry it. You just control it, right? And the spouse, you, you, shut, it off whenever you, want. you shut it off whenever you want. <laughs> you, you change screens. You replace the you whole see, thing. You replace it. <laughs> you could smash it. If it has a virus, you just get a new one. It works. You open the window when you huh? want. And you close the window. You open it. Exactly. It works. You You're not dealing with a reality outside of yourself. It's an extension of you, so it works. Or bechlal relationships that are voluntary, you know, before marriage, etc. As a woman once said, before I was married... Um, What's the word? Uh, before I was married, I was incomplete. Now I'm married and I'm finished. So, uh, so this theory basically postulates the following idea. That what's causing the most pain in the relationship is actually what attracted you initially. What's causing the most pain in the relationship is what attracted you initially. Meaning, you were looking for this person, this man or this woman, 
So consciously, yeah, I like this, I like that, I like that, it's going to work, whatever. Subconsciously, you were probably looking to mend or to fulfill a certain void or a certain deep relationship that you need, but you never had. Or maybe you had it, but you need more of it. Or maybe it was scarred or wounded. Or maybe it was a sense of abandonment. Or maybe it was something that's very deep in you and may not even be in a neg- you know, as a result of abuse or, or abandonment, but simply something that you really crave or yearn for on a subconscious level because of various factors, whether nature or nurture or a combination. And that's what you're really looking for in this relationship. But now again, the same story, what made you crave for it the first time, is what's causing the pain right now in the relationship, when it's not being met. You had the potential to find it. (laughs) But for that, you have to identify what you were really looking for and why it's so disappointing again, because it may be the story happening a second time again, because it's being processed on a subconscious level. So it's like what's causing you the most pain is really what you were always looking for. But for this, I have to have the deep humility and openness to be able to go to that space and say, this is what I really need from you. This is what I really need in you. This is what you really need from me. And this is what I'm not getting because I'm, again, not having the tools. I don't have the tools to acknowledge that and to be able to identify it and to be able to embrace it. It takes a lot of awareness. So essentially, if you want to put it in different words, yeah, you get married to Rachel, but really you're first marrying Leah. But your attraction to Leah is never midaita, it's Shalom midaita. But there's something Yaakov needs Dafka and Leah, and Leah needs Dafka and Yaakov. Actually, Leah did it consciously, Yaakov did it subconsciously. Leah's in a position where she actually knows what's going on. Yaakov doesn't know what's going on. In our marriages, sometimes it works both ways that way, or whatever it is. But Chlal, in Sefer Bereshis, the women know what's going on always, and the men are clueless. From beginning Bereshis till the end of Bereshis, the men never know what's going on. I mean, Adam, you know, his wife tells him to eat, he eats. Shine. It still happens that way, right? Your wife tells you to eat, you eat. He says you not to eat, you eat when she's not looking. Um, if you look, I mean, Yishmal, Yishmal, Sarah calls the shots, Yitzchak and Rivka, the brachas. Yitzchak just gives the brachas. Rachel and Leah, they call the shots. Uh, Yehuda and Tamar, Loit and his daughters. <laughs> the women basically run the show in Sefer Bereshis. They change, they create history. The men just, you know, the men dress up and, and run the Misha Beirachs and Shul. The Gabayim there, the presidents, the, you know, they give the sermons. The men give the sermons, right? And the Viber Shul, they decide everything that's going to happen in history. I mean, if you read through it, Moshe and the river, the whole, the basic, the big stories, the building blocks of history, the women decide. So here also, Leah knows what's happening. But the idea in, in, in psychological terms would be that I choose Leah on a subconscious level because there's something in Leah that's beyond my das. For that very reason, Leah is despised. Because... It, it's, it's bringing up a relationship that wasn't resolved. It may be bringing up maybe, maybe something with your own mother, maybe something with your own father, maybe something with your siblings, maybe something with yourself, maybe something with God, maybe something with your own identity as a man or a woman, maybe something in terms of your place in the world. And therefore, subconsciously, I need you, because if I can develop a good relationship with you, that's what I really crave. But I'm scared of it because that's the need. That's why it's so needy. So to expose it, suddenly, wow, Leia is what I always needed. 
Leia is what I always wanted. But Leia also has to adjust herself. Leia, just like Yaakov has to adjust himself, Leia has to adjust herself. Now, I saw a word in Teferis Shleimah. You know the Sefer Teferis Shleimah? By the Radomsk, the Shleimah of Radomsk. He says on the Pasuk, Lomari Misani. It's an incredible vart, but it's hard to understand. I think now it becomes crystal clear. Yaakov marries Leia, Vayar Baboyker, Vihinei Leia. When the sun shines, Baboyker is not just uh, in terms of a clock, Baboyker is existential. When the sun shines, what's Baboyker? Baboyker is when you see things. Vihinei Leia. I didn't see before, this was Leia. What's the first thing he does? He goes to Lavan and he says, I worked for Rachel. Lama rimi sani, why did you deceive me? Lama rimi sani, he says, has two meanings. Rimi sani from the word ramai, rimiya, deception. Rimi sani also comes from the word truma, elevation. Harama, to lift up. Lama rimi sani, Yaakov says, favasas tumir Why did you elevate me so high? I didn't ask for it. To be in a relationship with Leah, means you have to be in a very elevated state, very self-aware, extremely, extremely and brutally honest. Rachel worked. Rachel was simpler. Rachel is a hand in the glove. It fits. It's adjust. It's adjusted. You know, you come to the, to the, to the, to the shoe store and the shoe fits. Leia sekvetched from Alazaitan. It squeezes and you have to go figure out what type of foot you have. You know, who needs to figure? I just want a, a shoe that fits, a hat that fits, a suit that fits. Rachel fits. It's perfect. Yaakov and Rachel were a perfect shidduch. Leia, I have to become bigger. I have to become larger. I have to become more mature. I can't be such a baby. <laughs> I have to take responsibility. I have to look at things. Yaakov says, Lomarimisani, why did you lift me up so much? Why did you pick me up? Sometimes, if you're married to your, a wife, you know, what you hate most is often what you need most. What you hate most is often what's going to make you the person you're capable of becoming if you stop kicking and screaming and you stop being a victim. Of course, every klal has a yotzim and a klal. Sometimes you end up with a lemon, and it's not so simple. You can't always find a tikkunim in this world, whatever. It's not so simple always. I don't mean here to give a generalization that uh, somebody's in an abusive marriage. It's like wonderful, you know, awesome. Wow, it's great. It's like the more you're exhausting me, the better it is. Let's, you have to understand certain things are not acceptable. If a person is suffering or their children are suffering, they have to protect themselves. That's an obvious. Don't, don't confuse Leah with that. Leah was not an abusive person. Leah was a very great human being. She was a giant of a person. But it doesn't mean it's not exhausting. <coughs> Depth is exhausting. Perception. Depth is always exhausting. Uh, it's exhausting as long as you retain your, 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 your uh, defense mechanisms. Once you open yourself up, then it's not exhausting anymore. Then it's freeing, it's liberating. But as long as you're protecting yourself, it's very exhausting. You understand what I'm saying? There's a moment when you get out of that mode and it's not exhausting anymore. On the contrary, it's, it's, it's... But for that, you have to become comfortable in vulnerability. As long as you're not... Leia initially is exhausting. She's not really exhausting. Initially, it's exhausting. It says about the man, Vayancha, Vayariveka, Vayachilches Haman, Laman Anoischa, Vayancha. So the, all the Mepharshim, the Venezos, the man... 
he afflicted you, he made you hungry, and he gave you the man, like it sounds, it sounds like the man made Jews hungry, the man afflicted them. They weren't hungry, they had the man. So, you know, there's the famous Litvish uh, the famous Litvish Musa said, the man made people hungry, actually. Why? Because the Gemara says in Yuma that the man landed in three places. For Tzaddikim, it came in front of the door. You opened the door, it was there. For Bainanim, it was in the middle of the desert, you had to go out, you know. You had to go to the courtyard of the, of the shul in the Yeshiva Spring Valley courtyard, you picked up the man. And for Rishoyim, it was Mechutz Lamachana. He says there was a Chashev Talmud Chacham, and he did a Psasin at night. So we would the man show up outside of the city, see if he would go out, everybody would know who he is. He's a Geblib and Hungarik, a Vachzeit. So he stayed hungry for a week, so he shouldn't have to go out. Okay, this is a Payan Chavarevek. Because uh, because popularity, you can't tell people who you are. The real vart is man is lechem and hashemayim. When you have when you have bread from heaven, it has heavenly properties. Whenever you're tasting heavenly properties, you remain hungry. Why? Because infinity. The more you taste it, the more hungry you get. The more you eat, the more hungry you get. Because the more you eat it the more you realize how much there is and how much you don't have. So the more hungry you are. So therefore, the more infinity, the more hunger, not the other way around. I once saw a letter from a Baltruva. It was a very moving letter, a 60-year-old Jew. He wrote a letter to the Lubavitcher Rebbe that he became a Baltruva and he started to learn Gemara, Halacha. And it's impossible. It's just, you know, you start learning Gemara when you're 60, you start learning the, just the language, Chumash, Mishnayas. Right? He says he feels so frustrated that he's not he's not getting anywhere. You know, you learn and there's always more, oh, but yeah, but if this happened, you, you never you never feel you get, you can't master anything. So the Rebbe wrote back to him, those who learn Torah their whole life are much more frustrated. Those who learn Torah their whole life are much more frustrated. And, and the answer to both is... The answer to both is is loya lecha la malacha ligmar, loya teben chayrin lehibatel mimena. You don't have to finish, but doesn't mean you shouldn't start. What does it mean? Why? Ayid who knows why we get more frustrated, because that's the definition of Torah. The more you know, it's not, you get more frustrated, because if you don't know, so you think if I'll know, I'll know. <laughs> but when you know, you know that when you know, you still don't know. So what's now going to happen? So you're always in a state of not knowing. So unless you get open to that, mm-hmm. you're really open to that, it remains, uh, it remains difficult. You're typhus. So now, so, so this whole theory, which some people argue against it, okay, fine, that's, this, uh, our arguments in psychology are, are endless. But uh, it, it, it sometimes it rings very true in many people's lives. So I think he says it here, Mamish, in one line when he says that Yaakov marries Leia Shalomi Daita, and then you have to, uh, and then Leia has to come down. Yaakov has to go up, and they find they find things about each other. Mamish says, "If you want to explain this theory a little bit to the Olam, because I just said it from a layman's terms, you probably do this a lot with couples." A quick classic example of this would be. You can even tell a story that happened in your office. Somebody who's, uh, for some reason, any one of a hundred different reasons, never had a really good relationship with his mother. 
and goes into the marriage. There's such people? <laughs> <laughs> there are one or two, but he goes into the marriage looking for a ticket on that, and he wants a mother. And he meets a girl. They go out on a date. He meets a girl who is dying to be a mother. She's just is giving the shama. She wants to give and give and give and take care. So he wants to be taken care of, and she wants to take care. And they go out, and that subconsciously that creates a connection. They feel they go crazy over each other. They don't realize why they're going crazy over each other. He thinks he's going crazy because of looks. She thinks she's going crazy because of his personality. Subconsciously they're going, he's, he's on a subconscious level, he's feeling somebody's going to finally take care of me. And she's thinking, I'm going to finally be able to take care of somebody. Ten years later, it's, you know, he's screaming his head off. Don't tell me what scarf to wear. I'll decide which kind of coat to put on. Stop telling me everything I need to do. And she's feeling rejected. She's still getting signals from him that he wants to be taken care of. And then when she takes care, he screams at her, stop taking care of me. And so on and so on. So they come to your office, and what do you tell them? (coughs) So that already depends. That can go 20 different paths. But if, if, if that's what's going on, and if they're holding by understanding it, it really depend, depends if they're, if they're holding by more than just concrete work, if they're able to, to see this. He might get to the point where he realizes that for the last 10 years, he's begging her to take care of him. Why did and he go? What? Why did he say go away? The same reason he probably told his mother to go away. Both things are playing them out. On a subconscious level, he wants to be taken care of. On a conscious level, he wants his independence. Both, both are fighting against Both are very real. Both are fighting each other. He doesn't really want his independence, but he really does. And he doesn't... But once he's able to see that, once he's able to understand that, he's able to see the awareness of what he's begging her for, the awareness of what he's asking her for. And, and if she could see what she's doing to him, the awareness of maybe she's... What she's giving him is not really what he needs. What she's giving him is what she needs to give. Once, once they have that awareness, she's able to give, he's able to take, or, or not. Or she'll say, don't forget to put on that coat, and he'll say, yes, mommy, and they'll both laugh, because they're both aware of what's going on. So, it's my kids. Right. I'm sure in millions and trillions of uh, of different ways as well, and sometimes it's even very idealistic. Not what I would mean idealistic. It's always idealistic, I would say, but sometimes it's really even very, uh, very pure, extremely pure. In other words, that certain souls they grow from a relationship with certain other souls that are different than them. Right? We'll speak a little bit more on an idealistic level. Not necessarily a person who even had a good relationship with their mother, or maybe not. But sometimes, does this marriage have hope after he discovers that the only reason he wanted her was because he wanted a mother? So in other words, can the marriage only thrive if she's his mother? And what if she's not his mother? And what if he finds that he has to be his own mother? Or he makes up with his mother? Or he, he says the same thing happened when he was a kid. Right, but I'm saying now, when he comes to peace with you, he compliments his wife, okay, I don't need you anymore. Which happens sometimes. Okay, so it's over. 
Right. It's, it's quite much more complex, right? But sometimes when that, when I could deal with that and figure out what I really needed from this person, and maybe I could find, and that person can't really give everything of it to me. Because some things you have, some things you have to find within yourself. So actually maybe now I could start looking at the person as somebody independent and appreciate them for who they are rather than for what they are in terms of my void. And they could see me the same way. So now the relationship can graduate to a whole different level, where you actually create space for the other person, which mentally before you couldn't, because you were like completely consumed by a need that the other person was fulfilling, MS, that you couldn't even acknowledge them as a separate entity. So you can't really have a relationship with them, you're just having a relationship with your own pain and using them to fill that, so you don't even know who they are, never mind love them or like them. You don't even know who they are. You first have to know who they are to even know if you really like them because my whole attraction was just based on filling my own stuff, my own my own wounds. So then you can actually actually begin a real relationship with with the other person. And then you may discover new layers. And that is that there's actually something in this person, in their real Metzius, that my soul will grow from in a very deep way. And their soul will grow from my soul. But it's something that may not be easy to adjust to or to embrace. It takes a lot of, lot of bittle or humility for that. So that's another level in which you have to be able to grow into Leia. V'chuli, v'chuli. I mean, it exists on many levels, very sublime, very aloof, very idealistic, very pure, and then also very, sometimes very complicated and very winding, and lots of, you know, issues and pain, and scars, and wounds of the Chuli. And blessed is the person who has the courage to be able to uh, look at it, to be able to look at it, and not run. Okay, so now, let's continue. Let's continue. Uh, we have ten minutes. Let's continue weiter. If you you have Torah Eris, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, we basically came into this Maimer to just explore in more detail the Alma de Skasi, Alma de Zgalia. But now let's go back here to this Maimer, which, as I told you, was said a year earlier by the Balatanya, where he goes off to continue about Leia and Rachel a little bit in a different kav, but very similar in many ways. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.